You are now listening to the Reminder Remedy Podcast with Alina Conley, reminding you that everything you need is everything you got to flourish exactly where you are. We believe the world needs happier women, so we provide tools, tips, and life hacks based on the research of positive psychology. This helps you rediscover your strengths while increasing your overall happiness and productivity so that you can take action today. When women flourish, everybody wins. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to yet another episode of The Reminder Remedy. I am extremely excited about today's interview. Um, I think it's going to be a very unique profile. Um, We have only had a few women in tech um, on the show. And outside of kind of learning about today's guest, she has an amazing product that I truly believe is going to um, change lives and have an impact for generations to come. So more on that. So today we are welcoming Heather Mayo-Smith. Welcome to the Reminder Remedy. Thank you, Elena. Thank you. I am so glad to have you. So we're going to kick it off with just a quick bio so you all can get the full scope of who we have on the line today. All right. So Heather is an award-winning interactive storytelling pioneer and technology visionary who brings over a decade of immersive storytelling leadership to StoryFile. In 2010, Heather developed the first 3D interactive conversation with Holocaust survivor Rose Schindler through her creative agency, Conscious Display. At the time, she was creating physical video installations at the United Nations, USC, and in Havana, Cuba. But she understood that the future of storytelling lay at the intersection of digital media and natural conversation and decided to create it. Heather developed a strategic partnership with two global entities with competencies in visual media and technology, USC Shoah Foundation and the Institute for Creative Technologies. The partnership she led has resulted in the development of a new medium, natural conversation video. Through Heather's leadership, immersive, interactive, natural conversation, video has gone from being a concept to a reality, combining high-fidelity, multi-scopic video with voice commands to deliver commercial-grade, natural conversations with an individual, whether it's a life-size video or your mobile device, replicating the emotional experience of having a conversation with a person. She developed and pioneered Dimensions and Testimony, a program to interview Holocaust survivors in volumetric interactive video without their survivor actually being present. Dimensions and Testimony won both the People's Choice Award and the Jury Prize at Sheffield Doc Fest in 2016. She produced and led the project before moving on to found and lead StoryFile. Wow. And for those of you all who are listening and you're kind of trying to grasp visually what is it that we're even talking about in terms of the technology, I I want you right now to pause and just go to the website (laughs) so you can really see it. But imagine like a almost like a video of 
your grandmother or of a civil rights leader or someone that you always just really wanted to know about their lives. Um, you know, I share with Heather that well, I actually didn't share with you, but I mentioned my my grandparents and my my lineage here in Atlanta goes back. Um, but you know, both of my grandparents on my father's side passed before I was born, but they were very, very instrumental in the educational um, arena here in Atlanta. One was the dean at Spelman. My grandmother was um, the superintendent for Atlanta Public Schools for years, and I find myself going and finding old research papers and articles that are like in archives, like, I just want to talk to this person. And so with that being said, I want to really hear from you, you know, how did you even come up with this concept? Like what drove you to create such a dynamic product? Um, you know, it was actually really simple. Like you said, you, you just have questions. Right. And you, and I'm, I happen to be naturally a very curious person, but we had, we had been talking to, and Holocaust survivors had been talking in the public for a couple generations now since the, since World War II. So our understanding of that history, a lot of that comes from them. And they had so much to teach us about being human mm. and life's journey and the ups and downs and how you, how you manage to be resilient and, you know, just keep going, um, through and everything and through the worst that humanity can throw at you. It's, it's truly, they have such a truly amazing life to share with us life Mm -hmm. history. So I've, realized one day as I was doing a lot of these exhibitions that, you know, my, um, my great grandchildren would never get a chance to ask them questions or, you know, be learn from them at all. Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to me that, well, if you can do certain things that I saw technology doing, why couldn't you do this? Mm -hmm. Um, Why couldn't you replicate having a conversation with somebody and you asking what you want to know? Like you have questions for your grandmother that maybe your siblings don't have because you've had a different life's journey. So you're curious about different things. You, You, there are questions that I guarantee you that your parents didn't even ask while their parents were alive. Mm-hmm. But they don't even know those answers to certain things. And our identity as people, that's made up of our past and all of the people that lived before us. Mm-hmm. So if if a person can actually have that conversation, like if your grandmother could have that conversation with you, if you could have that conversation, that would change you. Mm-hmm. That would add to who you are. Mm-hmm. So in this day and age, why wouldn't you take the opportunity to record yourself in this way that could replicate that conversation in the future so that you're able to add to one of your future ancestors' mm-hmm. lives and just build on that and build their identity and influence their identity? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't why wouldn't everyone take that opportunity to learn from our past, basically? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
I'm like getting emotional even thinking about the um, the ability for my grandchildren to like hear all of the things that I have to say, right? You know, and I even that's one of the reasons why I even started this podcast was to create a a, a, a time capsule. But mm-hmm. what's so interesting about what you said is, you know, the storytelling piece of it helping to shape our identity. Um, you know, within my coaching program, the life crafting program, we I use what I call my simple method, and the S. It stands for story, stands for your story. And so the exercise that I have people start out with is a ton of obvious self-discovery assessments, but then it's about understanding where you come from. So it's going and interviewing family members, learning about them, also learning about who you were as a child, right? Because so many of us find ourselves kind of returning to self once we go through, you know, college and we're out in the world and we're like, what did I really want to do when I was like five, right? And then we come back to, we return to self. And so, you know, when I was first introduced to this concept, I'm thinking, oh my God, like I need this for every client, right? Because when, when I went and did that Google search about my grandfather, I found this document that he wrote essentially talking about how they were going to expand educational opportunities in the Black community here in Atlanta, And right when I found that, it was when I was transitioning in my career around more coaching and development. And I kept wondering, why do I have this pull in a different direction? And soon as I saw it, I was like, this is in my DNA. Like this stuff matters to me on a level that was created before I was even aware, you know, and I think it it just it just makes a ton of sense. So Let's talk about what does that look like, though, right? Because I've seen the end product and I've seen a few screenshots. But if you could kind of walk us through so that people can conceptualize, if I wanted to create a story file with my mother right now, what would that process look like? By the way, I'm getting chills. I, I, really? got chills. <laughs> I know exactly. And now I know exactly how you how you feel. And um, those are the exact kind of connections that mm-hmm. we want people to make with their, with their um, ancestors or, you know, yeah. lived before them. Um, so if you wanted to record your mother's story file and her story, you just go onto the website. It's called story file life. And it walks you through um it walks you through creating a script first, basically. And what you want to do is there's over 2000 questions that you, that you have access to. You can buy them in, in packages, but, and then you could, or you could buy access to all of them at once. Um, You pick the questions that relate to your life in particular. Mm -hmm. And we have all kinds of different, very specific uh, storylines for, People of all, there are are a number of experiences, a number of different lifestyles, like things that they might have gone through in their lifetime that you might want them to talk about. Aside from everyone's, you know, um, pretty, there's an, there's a, there are universal things that we all do as human beings. Mm -hmm. And those questions are in there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You pick all the questions you uh, might want to 
you know, go through some of the tutorials or the tips and tricks about how to record, but essentially it is, I'll give you the nutshell. You want to pick a place that um, is comfortable for them and you to have that, that this conversation, you want to pick some place that you can kind of control the lighting and, and they have good lighting on them. You want to wear something that's kind of simple, not too busy or, um, and if you are, especially are going to do it over a you know, over a number of days, you do want them to be in that outfit over those, you know, uh, mm-hmm. over those days. If you want to maintain some continuity, you don't have to, but it helps. Then uh, you just turn on the computer and you start recording. Um, you can use your laptop. You can use your phone. You can use a webcam. On, if you want to do a little bit higher higher quality uh, filming, you can use a webcam on your laptop. Just put it up right in front of them, and they look straight into the camera. You're behind your computer. You're behind the phone. And you just ask them the questions as they come up. You hit record. They answer. When they're done, you stop recording. It's that easy. And then you save and move on to the next. Um, the one great thing about doing this is you learn so much about them. I have not yet seen one person interview their family member or watch us do it mm-hmm. professionally that hasn't said to us, I have never heard that story before. Yeah. Wow. I, I've never heard them say that. And, or I never knew that about my parents. Mm-hmm. You learn something every single time and not only your family members, but a lot of our interviewees have said, this is like a, a massive, like a massive therapy session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you were talking about in your field, you ask your clients to go through and really analyze where they came from, how their identity was developed, who they are mm-hmm. uh, and, and where, where all that came from. This is a, this is a chance for you to go through your life from beginning to end and think about things you don't normally think about on a daily basis mm-hmm. and do it in, you know, a few sittings, but really think about those things mm-hmm. that you did as a child or memories you have of friends or what was important to you mm-hmm. and general in general, what happened to you, you know, and people don't often you think you've forgotten a lot, but you actually, it triggers memories that it's unbelievable unfolding almost right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's really a cool process. Yeah. The best part about, it's the best part of my job. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I just, it's just phenomenal. And I, you know, I've gone through, um, you know, similar experiences uh, through like StoryCorp where we record, mm-hmm. like we did a project with our sorority where, again, we wanted to create a, a capsule of history, right? We have this, you know, longstanding organization that has done so much in terms of service. So they had us come in and my mom shared, you know, what it was like when she was coming into the sorority versus my experience. And that was just like a moment in time for us that we will always have, but then they added it to the archive for the sorority, right? So it's like, you have your family, but then your family's experience also provides almost like this experience that represents the community or the city or the culture, right? Uh, One of the things that I always 
rant about is just, um, how do I say, the cultural, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank. Basically, things that are being passed down in terms of, uh, I'm calling them best practice because I'm a coach and I can't think of a better word, but like how, how to do things that uh, enhance your lifestyle, right? So, you know, I interviewed one of my guests. She started a, a company that creates a, a sleep remedy, a natural sleep aid. But really it was like her grand, great-grandmother's like Asian like herb, you know, that she was able to get like funding for to go and create like this million dollar business, right? And, you know, there's so many traditional medicines or um, healing remedies that I feel like is missing from my lineage, you know, because of slavery, essentially, like there's so much heritage that's missing. And, you know, when I first started having children, I have some friends who are Nigerian, who they had aunts and cousins and sisters that would come to town and, you know, make these soups and broths and wrap them in these cloths and just really aid their postpartum experience. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, what do I do? You know, like, what do I do to, you know, shrink my uterus or to, you know, give healing powers to my body? And it just became very clear that there is a gap in our history, you know, and something like this, in my opinion, it's like you said, there's still people out there that know these things, but it's just so segmented. So I noticed on your website, you all do have you know, you can use it for personal and business and you all work with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of celebrities and, you know, uh, big civil rights activists. Have you all considered ways that you can close gaps in communities that maybe the history feels fragmented? Oh, okay. So let's go there. The African-American community, you're right. It it has massive gaps and, and not only just following family trees, you don't even know who your ancestors actually are in most cases or in a lot of cases. Anyway, it's, you know, it, we have families that do end up doing their DNA in 23 Me and come to us and say, I never even knew I had this great aunt that lives in a different state mm-hmm. and then I have all these cousins now, or I didn't even know that I actually have another brother. Wow. Um, so it's it's truly important to capture that. You're you're absolutely right. You couldn't be more right. You know, you, if if nobody captures that, it's gone after you know one or two generations. I mean, think of the telephone game and think of how how these stories and oral history gets you know twisted and and you know it becomes myth almost. Mm-hmm. Why not hear the real, you know, why not hear the story from the people who actually lived it, if you can, or what they know, because you're not going to be able to obviously record generations that have already passed away, but you can record the closest version of that, that story Mm -hmm. um, that you will ever have for future generations so that it doesn't get manipulated and gone through and edited and added to and, and become myth. It's, it's capturing what was important to them, all the knowledge that they have. 
think about all the Native American um, communities, and they have they have these medicine men. And we're trying right now. It, it's a very guarded tradition, and we understand that and totally respect that. But in by the same token, the these the knowledge that these people have is going to be lost. There will be nobody to physically teach the next generation left. There hasn't been generations of them that have been mentored to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's getting scarcer and scarcer. So when that's all over, there's not going to be that record. And that is could be incredibly valuable to humanity down the line. And you know, even for them, just keep it for themselves alive. Uh, so we're trying to get, you know, get all of these histories, all of this knowledge can be captured and saved now. Mm-hmm. Now we have the power to do that. And you don't have to sit down and watch 10 hours of video for, you know, that's I've recorded my grandmother and I've got eight hours of video. Like who's actually going to watch that? Who's actually going to sit down and watch the eight hours? Maybe you might, but chances are you're not really going to, you've got it, but you're not really, no one's really going to watch it or they write autobiographies, but you can't actually see the person. You don't hear them saying it. You don't get a sense of who they really were. You can imagine, but is that imagination, right? You don't know. So capturing video and being able to just ask the questions you want to ask when you're go when you you yourself are going through that that part of your life's journey because that's when you're really curious when you're having children you're curious about what your mom's your mom did or your grandmother did or how you how they managed or you know what was your relationship like at that moment you know what how, how did it affect it all these different questions you might have that you don't really ask mm-hmm. when they're alive it and it all adds to your identity and who you are and how that comes through to the rest of the world through you, Mm -hmm. you, you hold that all in you. It makes up every bone, every, the DNA, (laughs) it makes up our own DNA, our own stories. Yeah. And those are, those are very powerful. I don't, I just don't want people to lose that. And I want people now that it's your pot, it's possible to ask and have these conversations and get to really feel as if you know, these people, mm-hmm. I mean, we have people that are, that are, have talked to story files um, for maybe an hour. You know, some people, kids are amazing. Kids can talk to these story files for actually like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's Teachers are constantly amazed, but then they'll get a chance to meet those individuals in person. I can't even tell you how they walk up to them. They will hug them. They're like, I know you. Like, I I feel like I know you. It's it. And it's truly amazing. So it's a gift. It really is a gift. So as an organization, do you all target certain groups? So you mentioned the medicine men. How do you try to get this product in those hands of kind of those staple things that you want to preserve? It's it's not easy because it's still kind of, it's still a new technology. Not a lot of people really understand it. 
Um, you have a lot of cultural barriers to break down, especially with the Native Americans. Like I said, they are very guarded and rightly so. Um, and they want to they want to protect it, but yet they want to make it public. It, so it's a it's a balance, right? Um, but you have to let people know that this exists. There are there are languages in this world that no one will speak in 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those have to be preserved or I would think somebody would want to preserve those. You can preserve all of that. You can preserve all of these cultures that, uh, you know, are not, not going to physically exist, but still you can maintain their, I want to use the word spirit. Like you can maintain that, that like you were talking about the Nigerian family and their relatives and all of the, the, the things that they use that they would come with and do and that it would truly be helpful in, and just that most of that is probably just from a spiritual sense mm-hmm. you now and, and what it does to your sense of positivity and, and nurturing and, and you feel loved, you know, it might not work. None of it might work, but it, it's, it's family lore, it, you know, it's, it's tradition mm-hmm. and, it makes you feel comfortable. You feel comforted. And that's the, that's probably the most important part about keeping these alive is the comfort and the, the, the sense of home and calm that knowing this helps you have. Yeah. Now yeah. you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I know this is like, I mean, to have such a big why, right? Like we always say, like, start with your why when you're building your company. Um, and this just, to me, just goes so deep and it just could be so impactful. Um, and it just makes me think about even the direction that humanity is going to becoming so disconnected, you know? <laughs> it's like, we really don't get to see people as much anymore. We don't get to interact with them. So being able to kind of have technology actually work in our favor, you know, feels really good. Um, So sorry to make you tear up. (laughs) I got a little misty too. (laughs) Um, You're right. I mean, you're right. It's, you don't live, like we used as humanity, we used to live with our grandparents. We used to live in, you know, everybody was used Mm -hmm. to be together through, you know, birth to death and you don't necessarily have that. So you do need to have new ways to keep that story and keep those stories and keep those people close to you um, and know their story. Like you wouldn't, because you're not living around them. So you don't know their story day to day, but the videos help that because you see all the body language, you know, so much of our communications actually in body language mm-hmm. and the human, human humans have an amazing way of telling people's and feeling people's uh, emotions from watching them and looking into their eyes that, you know, you don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of feeling like you've connected with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a, in sales and we would always say oh stories sell right and I 
I saw on your side that a lot of sales teams can give examples. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant because I can say, okay, this is how you should do it in this situation. But that doesn't mean anything until I'm actually like I'm showing you. Like when I was studying my coach at the time, I would study her mannerisms and like when she would put in a punchline for a joke, you know, and then I would just like mimic that until I got my own style. Um, so it's just we could go on and on in terms of why this is just amazing. Um, I know that it's a family business. So what is that like? What is it like to work with your family, kind of have this project become you know, uh, so ahead of its time, but really kind of the perfect time. Like, what has that been like for you? Um, well, it's increasingly not as much of a family business. <laughs> um, my, my family members have gone on to do, you know, their own great things. Uh, fortunately, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, it really didn't, I didn't intend it to be that way. It just, uh-huh. I happened to marry the executive director of the USC show foundation uh-huh. working on the project that I was working on before. So, and he was, you know, obviously a massive supporter and understood the project incredibly well. I mean, um, he wrote his PhD and his la- the last chapter of his uh, PhD thesis was talking about how you have to have, to really understand people and get their, their personal stories, you have to do it through conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, it's uh, we've always been a team in doing this and truly it's been our passion and our, our luck and I, you know, our blessing to be able to do this for families. And, and it's um we were, we happen to work really well together. It doesn't hurt that I grew up in a family business either. So what was the family business? Jewelry stores, retail. Okay. Okay. So I'm very, I, I guess I'm kind of used to the whole 24 hours, seven, seven days a week, you mm-hmm. know, talking about business. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not bother me as much as, as other people, you know, the, you know, you talked earlier on about uh, work-life balance and how you coach mm-hmm. people. So I'm probably not your, your typical. <laughs> um, I, I spend a lot of my day actually, you know, talking people into finding work balance when I absolutely have none. So, <laughs> you know, we, um, but it, it, the reason that I got it, so the reason we got into the whole family, you know, we, I've ha- I happen to have had a lot of family members and I currently have, um, our, uh, one of our, um, our middle daughter, uh, still works for us. And she's, I mean, I, I bless every day that she works for us because she's brilliant and we couldn't do it without her actually <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been, you know, we've been fortunate to have kids that are, that, you know, have different kinds of talents along Mm -hmm. the way that have helped. I think COVID also, and I started this in 2018. And um, so I've had different family members come in at different points where you need different skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a startup, you don't, pay a lot. You don't, you know, you're working 24 seven, you need people you trust and you need people that you know are going to do an amazing job for you because they really believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And 
who does that happen to be? You look around and some of it happens to be family members. So why not just have them help? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what happened over the years. And then um, someone, you know, one went on to have her own company. Um, she was in uh, marketing and um, another one ended up starting her own uh, mobile app, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we just, you, you surround yourself. My grandfather said once to me, surround, know your weaknesses and know your strengths mm-hmm. as, as a business, uh, you know, in, in life, I guess, uh, doesn't have to just be as an entrepreneur, but surround yourself with the best possible people that you can afford to fill in those gaps, like what you're not strong at, get anybody that you can, the best you can get to surround you and fill in that, because that's the only way you'll be successful Uh, is you really being honest with yourself. Like I can't do this. I need someone that's really, really top, you know, top of their game to get this done. Mm -hmm. And it's oftentimes leaders, great leaders know, I think, when to pull in people and do things that they're not going to get done and they have to be able to, their egos have to let them know, I can't do this. I need help. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And I think that makes people success. That helps to make people successful. You know, there are a lot of other factors, luck, (laughs) timing, luck, all of you, all the, your typical things. So that you you mentioned that you had one of your daughters join. How many children do you have? Ah, (laughs) so um, I, this is my second marriage. So um, we have five together and his ex-wife was a much stronger woman than I was. I always say (laughs) because she had three and I only had two. (laughs) So, but not only that, she had three within four years. Yeah. So I was, I, I was, no, I could never, I, that's one of, one of, I know my strengths. I know my weakness in that area. And that was definitely not one I could have done. So, so two or five. She did it successfully too. So I, I give her a lot of credit. Exactly. I'm always like, what do you, what do you need to a resume for? Just know that I have four kids under the age of seven and they're alive. Like that's all you need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> but I'm curious because there were a few things that you said that in my mind, I'm just like, everything is backwards. So this is what, what I'm always ranting about. So for context, my husband's parents literally just left after staying with us for two weeks. Uh-huh. It was heavenly, like to have daily family support, to be able to witness my children establish this bond, you know, and I mean, because they they go to their, my in-laws live in Virginia, they've traveled there, but it's not the same when you're just there for a weekend, you know, to have them, they've really been here for a month, but at my, my in-laws, my other brother-in-law's house. So anyway, we've had them for a month, essentially. I didn't have close grandparent relationship. So to see that was beautiful. Outside of that, it was also the daily support where I don't have to say, stop this, do that alone. Like they can do it. I wake up every day with no dishes in my sink. Like I have help with laundry, like grocery shopping, like 
my daughter had them at her practice to watch her, you know, do gymnastics. And, you know, when they left, I was just like, this is how it's supposed to be. Why did the industrial revolution ruin family structure? You know, like we all, I remember growing up and being said, being told, like, make sure you go away for college, you know, make sure you go, you know, get a job in New York City. You know, it was kind of like this, everything better is away from home. And now I'm in this space where all I want is my family. Like I want my mom around. I want my cousins around. I live in Atlanta. Everything is an hour away. Everybody's in a different area. So my my kids barely know their cousins. So Mm -hmm. I'm always like, we need to all go back to living in the same house in the same cul-de-sac. And we need to be thinking about the future of work as family-run businesses. And I think obviously there are challenges, but the beauty of that is you get to really create, you know, to some degree, work-life balance in the sense of this is my life. Like this is my why for my family. This is our contribution to, you know, civilization essentially versus everyone kind of being siloed. So when you were talking, I was just thinking like, you know, to have a family business is something that I really want to be able to pass down to my children because it gives them an option. You know, it gives them somewhere to start, someone to say like, hey, you don't have to stay with this business, but you can learn like these fundamental principles, like your, you know, your dad or your um, your father said to you, I think it was your father or your grandfather <laughs> said, you know, work, uh, get people that have strengths and weaknesses. Um, I don't know why I just went on that rant, but that is kind of my philosophy. And so I was just curious what was that like kind of bringing children into this space? And, you know, is it something that as they get older, they have a natural curiosity or did you kind of say, Hey, this is where your summer intern is. Like, what did that look like? Oh, uh, I think it just kind of evolves. You, you you, You ask for help and they're, they're there. And it happened to be at points in their lives when um, it was a good option. I mean, it's and it, it it's and it worked. Um, it's you know I want to go back to something you said about that's how it should be, and and it is. You're right. It is a lot easier. It's a lot easier when you're raising kids and you have a family of your own to have that support and have that help. It makes all the difference in the world. And I wish to God that more people didn't have to go leave their home, leave their families to get really good jobs to make a living in order to have a home and a family. I wish they could stay where they were and and live and work and um experience that life's journey with their family, supporting them on it. And it's, you know, yeah, you can get a great community. You can have amazing friends, but it's not exactly the same as family. Um, You know, and then you hear about a lot of family arguments or families getting torn apart about it, but that's, you have to, you have to be able to talk through all of that and uh, um, have really good communication. You also have to have respect for every single one of them if they work with you. That's key. And they have to pull their weight as well because then if they don't and they don't 
add value than everybody around the company that is not, does not happen to be related to you is going to resent them. So you, um, that's always a, a, a balance. Um, I mean, obviously, unless you can keep it just to your family, if you have 11 kids, they're all smart. (laughs) You're golden, but, um, you know, that every, and it's, everybody has their own things. I think it helps if they have their own thing that they do, that they do really well. Um, and so they're not competing against each other as siblings. So that's, that kind of helps. Um, but going back to just, let's take the business out of it, out of the equation, just living together, being around my sister could not, Oh, my, my sister actually works in the family business or in this business too. And that was, I mean, I, I needed a really, really, really good salesperson and she was definitely the, and talk about your DNA, like having it in your DNA. She's probably the best salesperson I've ever met. And my grandfather was the best. My mom is the best. And she's, she got that gift. (laughs) She got that definitely. So of course we were going to make, we were going to make her. Um, But when we were, when she was raising her kids, um, she needed help. And my mom and dad really stepped in. You know, um, I was fortunate uh, that I didn't need as much help day to day, but she, I don't think she could have done it without my mom and dad around without they, they could not have done it without their grandparents and the bond that they have with the, you know, is just priceless. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So you, and there's a lot more to it actually than just having that time with them or like having that get, you know, knowing them and just visiting. You're right. When they were, when they were, you you saw a difference between visiting them for a weekend and them actually being there and living there and being a part of your daily life and routine. It's different. And that relationship that they, that your kids will build with them will be different because of it. So yeah, and I it's so interesting because I have friends. Who I don't want to make anyone sad that doesn't have the option to have that. But no, I mean, and we talk about it on the show all the time. We actually just talked about it on a recent episode. You know how not having that village is impacting yeah. mothers severely. You know, because having a nanny or having an au pair, all these things are great, but it's still not the same the because same. the missing link. You know, in the spirit of story fouls is that when grandparents are around, there is an exchange of knowledge that happens on a regular basis. You know, I have friends who were raised by their grandparents if their parents had them young, mm-hmm. you know, and to me, they have just a different level of skill. Like I can think of my friend, like she knows how to cook. She knows how to sew. Like her confidence is just different, you know, and it's because her grandmother, you know, was older, she was retired, she was really able to be present with her. Like she wasn't this on the go parent where it's kind of like, okay, figure it out. What are you going to eat? You know? And again, if I was recording my story file right now, it would be talking about my, my philosophy that, and this is just going to sound super radical, but people on my show have heard me say this. 
you know, I really feel like, you know, we are meant to have children um, when we get our menstrual cycle. And I know that feels young, right? So don't take me like, quote me on this. But when I think about like physiology, it's like, okay, most of us get it around our teen years. And then people have this, this case of like, well, we're not mature enough to really raise kids yet. And I'm like, but maybe we weren't meant to raise our own kids. Maybe it was meant to be like every other generation. I mean, think about it, right? Because back in the day, it was like we were having kids. I don't think you're wrong. Exactly. 16 to 20 years old, but they would go out and work for the family. They would go and run the business, be the salesman, you know, run the errands. And the children were home with the grandparents. The grandparents no longer had to work. They could just pass on tradition. And then guess what? I raised my grandkids because now I have wisdom, you know, and now I'm older. I mean, it all makes sense to me. I keep trying to tell my mom she needs to be raising these kids, not me. But she's not going for it. Um, but they're but. It's true. They have the experience. So, you know, you can lean on that. It, my, it, you're, you're so funny. And I want to say, you're so funny. Um, so I happen to have my kids pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have my parents around me. And I did. But I also had an au pair. And I can tell you that that relationship is very, very different, very different. There's a level of respect, first of all, that I, I don't see in all my other friends and I've, I've, and I've gone through this for 30 years. So um, I don't see, they do have a connection and they do have a very, it's a very strong bond especially if that person had stayed with them through their whole life. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's not the same as a grandparent and you don't learn. You may have an emotional connection, but you don't learn knowledge mm-hmm. like from, from your older generation. Mm-hmm. And, and the level of respect is very different. So yes. And also there is something actually to be said I know a lot of women want to wait until they, okay, okay. So the one thing I hear all the time, especially with these younger generation, oh, I can't afford to have kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. We just interviewed a woman by the name of Dolores Huertes. Mm-hmm. She was Cesar Chavez. She started the Farm Workers Association with Cesar Chavez and that whole, the whole movement. And um, very, very, very well known. She, had 11 kids, mm. 11. Mm. And yeah, at, she said, once you get to three, it becomes a lot easier because then they start raising the others for mm. you. So she almost had like an internal, you know, whole uh, ecosystem of like kids like to take care of each other and help. But they really, because she was so busy, you know, traveling around the world with the movement and really fighting for the work, you know, farm workers rights mm-hmm. and immigrant rights. Um, she ended up having to leave her kids to be raised by her parents and her, you know, their grandparents, mm-hmm. um, and the other older children. But not only that, the community also helped too. Mm-hmm. Because they knew what she was doing was was purposeful, right? Um, so she actually will admit to you she didn't really raise her kids mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, she was there, obviously, for a lot of the major moments. You know, she was 
she was impactful in their, their but they there were a lot of other people that raised her, them and had had those roles at different times so it does they weren't kidding when they said it does take a village right yeah and a lot of that village it'd be really really nice if a lot of that village was family mm-hmm. and i know that a lot of people don't have that option they don't have the ability but if if you do treasure it really and use it as the most you will gain you will be you will gain what you can't even imagine and your kids also will have so much and their lives will be so much richer if they spend time and they get to know them um, and they have those relationships with them. Um, also the part about being young, let me go back to that because I often hear like, you can't, Oh no, we can't afford it. And I always say to them, okay, first of all, children come with money. That's <laughs> my own, my, my in-laws, famous words. Um, but they also, you know, you figure it out and it's, there's, you keep thinking like, oh, there's a time when it's right, but there's truly never a good time. I mean, it's never right. Never. (laughs) You're never prepared. So what are you talking about? Oh, I want to wait until I get this or I wait until I achieve this. It's, it's, a fantasy. If you think that you're, you're going to be able to do this when you, when you're planning it out, I mean, it just, it happens. But when, if you do have them young, the benefit of that is that you're building your career. Yes. But you're also not at a point where you are in a really high position with a lot of responsibility yet so you can take the time to be there and raise them a little bit more and, and just having them being pregnant, just physically and do that. Um, you can do that at that point in your career easier than saying, Oh, I'm going to wait until I'm a VP of whatever. And then I'm going to have kids. Mm-hmm. you you don't realize that when you get to that point, you're 24 seven, you are, your ass is owned by that company. So, you know, you can, you can kiss goodbye. Right. And then it becomes a true battle. Like I have to choose between my career yeah. and, and this. Yeah. And that's assuming that the career hasn't, you know, burnt your body out so bad that you now, you know, have to take other measures, which I see a lot as well with, you know, corporate women. It's just, it's just a challenging situation because again, I think that just the world that we live in, it's backwards. <laughs> like it just, it, it sets us up to achieve these milestones um, nowadays, right? It's kind of like, get your degree, do this, get this job. And you look up and you're 40, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, now I got to go and drop off this baby at daycare, <laughs> you know? My bones are hurting. My mama is too old to watch all the kids. You know, it's just, it's interesting. And I, I say that, and I know I have a lot of friends, you know, now I have my last child at 30, 36, and many of my friends are just now starting to have children. So we are, you know, older moms. And so I say that obviously with a ton of empathy, but I think the bigger issue that I like to bring up is thinking about 
you know, what is the messaging, right? Like, why are why are we making these choices? What what are we saying that we value when we push these things off? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so just kind of reconsider how we can get back to how it used to be. <laughs> I think a lot of it, the, uh, another problem, I mean, another well issue to consider, not a problem, but yeah, and and I think that people think that if they get to a certain economic state that they'll be happy and they'll have life, you know, life Mm -hmm. will be easier or they'll be able to make choices and they'll be easier to do this X, Y, or Z. But truly from my life experience, the more you have and the more you get, the more you want or feel you need. Mm -hmm. If you just accept, all right, this is, this is, I have what I need. I have a roof over my head. I have a good job. I like my job. Thank you. know, Thank God. You know, it'd be great if you absolutely loved your job. That would be ideal. But, you know, let's say you you don't, not everyone can do what they're totally love and what they're passionate about. So if you, if you just do something you're, you're happy and proud to do, that would be enough. If you have a roof over your head, you have food, you have a life, then you can I don't know. It. I think it's just really hard for a lot of these younger people to say, how am I going to do all this? And they have so many things that they're comparing themselves to and so many things that they, they think they need to do or think they want or think they should be doing. They, you don't, the grass is really never greener on the other side. And I don't think this, a lot of these last couple generations really understand that, that it's hard work, everything, no matter what level you're at mm-hmm. and you give up and you trade off things when at whatever stage of life you're at, it's always a balance and, and going from one to another. So why not just make choices that make it easier for you and just not worry about what other people or what you think you need to have or what you think you need to do mm-hmm. and just, do what helps you and what makes it easier for you and what um, just being able to live and, and being accepting and grateful for that mm-hmm. um, instead of always just wanting more and wanting more and wanting, Oh no, I can't do that. I can't have kids until I can afford to get a house. Okay. Well, <laughs> In the in Los Angeles, oh my God, you might be fifty before that even happens. So it's it's just like you're always you're always trying to get to this next stage, and you think that that next stage will let you do this or this or this, and it it just it it, it never comes. It never comes. It's it's fleeting. Yeah, it is. But you, and you can, all this stuff about manifesting. Yes. I think you absolutely, if you put your mind to it, I think there's a lot you can do. And there are a lot of powerful forces inside you that if you met, like if you really believe in something and you think you're, that you can manifest a lot, a lot of, and I think it's all energy and the energy that you put forth and the energy you put out there. So it's just, yeah, it's, there's no, there's no map. <laughs> there's no, that's why we need to hear people's stories that 
went through these journeys and lived through life and all its ups and downs and how they navigated that, you need to hear those stories. We're, it's in our human DNA to listen to those stories and learn from them and make decisions and know that this is normal, that life is normal this way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But only hearing these stories is going to teach you that and show you that. Mm-hmm. That I think brings people a lot of solace. Yes. Not otherwise have. Oh, good. This is just a great conversation. And it's so timely because I think that that has been the joy that I found in my relationship with my mother-in-law is because my relationship with my mother is very different because I was my mom's only child. Right. So the way that she raised me is impossible to replicate in my life, right? Because I have so many little ones. And so, you know, if I was to kind of use my mother's blueprint, obviously there are wonderful things that I incorporate into my parenting, but some of it is just not there because she didn't have multiple kids. My mother-in-law had three, but she was one of 15. And so this weekend when she was here, she was just sharing stories of dinner time. You know, she was like, we had this long table and then we would pull out this other table every night. And these were the type of meals Because I was asking her, I'm like, can you give me any kind of tips on how to run this ship? She was like, you got to start making more casseroles. You got to freeze them on Sundays. You know, it was just like very practical things that to me were priceless, you know, that I wouldn't have gotten if she couldn't have stepped into my world and say, okay, this is what you need to be doing. So Mm -hmm. like, give yourself some grace. Um, But then also hearing, you know, that her mother pushed 15 babies out naturally, you know, and she still (laughs) put them out of school dressed and they survived, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think stories are, you know, I always consider myself a storyteller. I think equally, I'm just a curious person. You know, I'm very invasive, you know, so if you say one thing, I'm like, so tell me about that. Your father did what when you were three? (laughs) More people fostered that curiosity. We're all naturally curious when we're children, especially, but I wish that more people fostered that and more parents fostered that in their children, you know, themselves as as well, because Mm -hmm. I think curiosity is, is key. Mm Mm-hmm. Never Mm -hmm. stop learning, never stop asking questions, never stop asking why. One of the things that I, I, I am so grateful for is that I never stopped asking why. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm not a technical person by Nate, by training. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you, you didn't know that, but I had to become very technical very quickly and learn a lot. But the, the thing that I was able to do because I didn't know what was not possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that I was able to do really, really well is keep asking why, mm-hmm. because it seems to me you should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. We find the answer. We just have to find a way um, because it, it makes sense that you, you should, if you can do Y and you can do X, you should be able to do Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people uh, that are trained in certain fields they know what they were trained not to do. They know what they were trained. They know the limits of what they were trained to do. And I don't think that helps people um, go through life knowing what your limits are. 
mm-hmm. in certain areas. It, it's, it helps to just push and keep pushing the boundaries of that. Well said. I love it. So if someone is interested in using the product or connecting with the team, what is the best way for them to keep up with you all? Storyfile.com. And it's uh, storyfile.com slash life is the actual, you know, um, home storyfile, mm-hmm. uh, where you can do it yourself, the DIY uh, we do have a white glove service though, if they, uh, email support mm-hmm. and they can connect with, we do have, we have two amazing people that will walk you through it, help your loved one, help you, help you, you know, with whatever you want help with, uh, even help you do the whole thing. Um, there are even, uh, you know, we're on all the social media, whatever you can find anything. <laughs> Email me at heather at storyfile.com. You know, you could, uh, we're all very, very visible. So, (laughs) but there are even company, you know, there are video companies around the country that are starting up providing a service to, if you don't want to do it yourself on the, on the DIY version, you can get them to help you do it. So you have a lot of options and I would just encourage people, I think not because I built it, but I truly have seen the effect of it. And I know that this is such an amazing gift to give to your future generations, the ability to actually be able to converse with them. But regardless, if you don't do our, our, ver- our solution, do something. You, you, everybody needs to tell their story to the next generation. So I would in- just encourage everybody to tell their story. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My children are now home, as you hear. (laughs) This has been incredible. And you guys, you know, if you're listening, you will be hearing more from me on, you know, advocating for this in every aspect. Um, You know, I know that I worked with your team earlier. We're going to get some links out there to um, even provide a discount to listeners. So make sure you check the show notes for that. But thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. I really, truly enjoyed the conversation and getting to know you. It was great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of The Reminder Remedy. Be sure to visit us at theremindermedy.com for all of our latest information on our workshops, our freebies, and how you can stay in touch with us.